Freedom Mama is the show where as women we are questioning everything. We are pulling back the veil to examine the ideas and common narratives that still dictate many of our lives. For the sake of your freedom, as well as our own, we are willing to let go of the concepts that keep us safe in order to have our freedom. Whether it be health, relationships, parenting, or spirituality, we know that once we know better, we can finally do better and ultimately feel better, body, mind, and soul. Hey, Freedom Mama listeners, thanks for tuning in to this podcast where we raise thought-provoking topics with the intention to inspire women and men to have more freedom in their lives. This is episode six, and today we're talking ketogenic diets and fruit phobia with my friend Andrew Perlot. Hey guys, my name is Andrew Perlot with Renaissance Humans. So it seems like just about everyone has an opinion about vegetarian and vegan diets, how often the opinion is they're either great or they're deficient or causing disease, how some people are genetically ill-equipped to follow these diets. Uh, And we read about this in blogs, we see the YouTube posts covering this topic, but what do the professionals think about this? So today we're gonna check in with professional dietitians to see what they think the science indicates about vegetarian and vegan diets and whether or not they can healthfully meet our nutritional requirements. Hey, Freedom Mama listeners. I'm here with my friend, Andrew Perlot. And Andrew actually suffered from an autoimmune disorder called colitis. Some of you may have heard of that before. Be familiar with it. Um, And he cured it with a raw food diet. And that's currently how he lives his life now. And he also counsels people to do the same thing. So, Andrew, I was wondering if you could give us, fill in the gaps a little bit and give us a little bit more of an introduction about yourself and what you do. Sure. Um, So, uh, you know, I was pretty sick when I was growing up. I was technically obese when I was younger. I weighed 220 pounds. Um, And uh, I had poor health, really bad chronic migraine headaches. And um, as I got older, I had these worsening um, digestive problems. And uh, when I was in college, I got diagnosed with colitis. Uh, It's an autoimmune condition where the body is basically attacking its own intestines. Mm. And um, so even though I had already really cleaned up my diet previously, and I had tried a vegan diet, and I had um, uh, you know, lost a lot of weight, taken up exercise, I was still suffering quite a bit, and the doctors told me there was no cure, they could offer me some drugs, so I started eating a raw diet, um, mostly raw in 2005, and then uh, a few years later I went all raw, and uh, I eventually left my job as a newspaper reporter to counsel people full-time because there's a lot of people suffering from similar conditions and their doctors aren't really giving them help. And when you say a raw food diet, can you be a little bit more specific? Because um, I know for a while, and I think it's uh, kind of, the trend is kind of changing now in that regard, but I know for a while, um, I used to work at a raw food cafe and it was like a very 
gourmet, raw style. So can you be a little bit more specific about what you mean when you say a raw food diet? Yeah, if you go to those raw cafes, very often it's very fatty. So tons of avocados. They'll often use processed oils. They'll often use knots of nuts and seeds. Um, I eat a fairly lower fat diet with lots of vegetables, yes, but um, I most of my calories come from fruit. Got it. And you talked about... Uh, the fattiness of those diets and the avocados and the oil and the nuts and the seeds. And that kind of brings me to what I wanted to talk about today. And that is something I've been seeing online a lot lately. This podcast is called Freedom Mama Podcast. So a lot of our listeners are mothers and women. And a a lot of um, groups I'm involved in online where moms come and share information, I see a lot of women adopting this new ketogenic diet. Supposedly there's a lot of science that really supports this diet and it. I don't know too much about it, but I know that it's um, kind of the opposite of what you do. The calonutrient ratio is kind of reversed where the bulk of the calories is coming only from fat and just a little, very small, tiny bit is coming from fruit, or sorry, carbohydrates at all, any type. And so, I want to get your thoughts on that and kind of also will you explain to everyone listening exactly what ketogenics is more in detail. So a ketogenic diet refers to the state of ketosis and so normally the human body runs off of carbohydrates or sugar which is stored in the body and the liver and in the muscles as glycogen. So um, normally your body runs off a little bit of body fat but it's mostly glycogen. So Um, It varies depending on if you're exercising or if you're being sedentary, but that's the basics of it. And um, if you don't take any carbohydrates in, your body will run through those stores, and then what's it going to use for fuel? The only thing available is fat stores, and so it can break those down into what are called ketones, and ketones are like an alternate fuel source. The brain and the body can run on them. And there's nothing inherently unhealthy about being in ketosis. In fact, some of the healthiest states, for instance, um, fasting has been used as a way to treat a number of really severe issues and have, has created um, some studies have documented some really impressive turnarounds for things like cancer, um, high blood pressure, stuff like that. So this is a ketogenic state if you're fasting because you're not eating anything. You're just you're taking in, uh, you're running off your body fat and off ketones. Um, but ketogenic diets, um, if we surveyed like 20 ketogenic diet practitioners, they would have slightly disagreeing uh, ideas in terms of what would constitute that diet. So some of them would be comfortable with a little bit more carbohydrate. Some of them would be comfortable with a ha- of mostly fat. Some of them would want more protein. Um, it's not really a new thing. Uh, Atkins, for instance, was around, like, it's been around forever, and that was pretty much a ketogenic diet, although I think some ketogenic practitioners would disagree with that, but it it creates a state of ketosis, so we could call it that. Um, And, uh, yeah, people have turned to it as a way of managing weight, just like they've turned to blood-type diets and Ayurvedic diets and every other diet strategy out there. So... Is there anything in, uh, inherently bad with it, or what? Can, and could anyone expect anything long term? And why don't you do more of that style? Um, yeah. So we have, unfortunately, the the problem with nutrition is we actually lack a lot of the really great studies that we could use to make 
definitive answers to these questions because they're really expensive to run and there's a huge problem with adherence. Like getting anyone to eat any particular way for a long time, even if you right. give them money, is hard. But right. um, in the case of ketogenic diets, we actually have a surprisingly good body of research specifically because ketogenic diets have traditionally been used as a way to treat epilepsy or okay. so um, people having seizures, kids specifically. And so you have a really high compliance rate because it's like, well, eat this way or have a seizure. Um, but, but the, and so you could argue that that's the best thing for these kids, but the downside is that we've had studies looking at their biomarkers, looking at their arterial health, and basically what we see is the arterial health of someone who is in the midst of, of having severe atherosclerotic scler sclerotic plaque buildup in their arteries, mm. and, uh, and who uh, the hardening of the arteries and basically just uh, all the blood biomarkers of someone who is much older in eating a standard American diet because they've essentially cut out the carbs and they're just, um, you know, going with fat and protein. So um, we've had two of those studies done looking at hundreds of these kids and essentially their arteries are, are considerably aged. Um, now we do have studies that have shown that this kind of eating can be effective for weight loss. Personally, uh, when I think about dietary choices, I mean... <laughs> That's true because I see a lot of people lose weight on this diet. Yeah. And if you, if you talk to, for instance, a John McDougal type, uh, I don't know if you've got listeners are familiar with John McDougal, but mm -hmm. he's a big starch-based vegan diet proponent, right. but it's his opinion that these kind of diets are... The, the reason that people are less hungry on them is essentially they're made sick, just like you would um, you know, get sick... Uh, and not lose your appetite, it's kind of a similar idea. I don't know that I fully agree with that, sure. but um, it's definitely something interesting. And they've actually also replicated these diets in a healthier way using what they sometimes refer to as an eco-Atkins diet. So it's, for instance, really high-protein processed, like tofu and uh, seitan and mm. um, processed vegetable products and lo very low-carb diets. Um, and uh, they're, they're kind of they're a little bit of a healthier way to do it. And there's actually some research to indicate that it, it, it skips out on those negative arterial um, aspects, but they're still losing weight. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, when I think about what dietary strategy I'm gonna use, I mean, weight, you can, we know that we can lose weight on any diet. It mm. comes down to calories in versus calories out. Right. Um, so essentially the argument is, I like this diet better for weight loss, or I think it, reduces my appetite more, I'm more satiated on it, um, but it, we kind of need to go beyond that, in my opinion, to look at long-term health, which is really the important thing, and so we look at, uh, when, I, when I think about what I want to do long-term, I don't care about like what I weigh tomorrow, I want to know, will I be alive in 50 years, so um, what diets have been shown to prevent and reverse heart disease? There's currently only one of them that have been shown to do that, demonstrated via research, um, serious peer-reviewed research, and that is a low-fat, plant-based diet. And you look at what currently do we have available dietary-wise to reverse um, type 2 diabetes, which, again, is a huge epidemic in this country. And so far, the only ones that have actually gotten people off their meds and off insulin is a combination of, of exercise and low-fat, plant-based diets. And you look at cancer rates, and while we don't have great Tool. We don't have great dietary interventions for reversing cancer at this time. No one's really found anything super solid. We do have some reason to believe that cancer rates considerably, the doubling rate of cancer considerably slows down on these type of diets. 
Um, and when we look at, for instance, they've put people, Atkins is probably the most researched ketogenic diet. And when we look at people like this, you see that men get impotence because their arteries are clogging up. We see that they're more at risk of a heart disease. Um, I haven't seen anything specific on cancer rates, but yeah, we just don't have any really good reason to think long-term health will be be will benefit from these. Whereas we know based on decades of research that plant-based diets um, based on whole foods tend to produce really good results in that area. Yeah, I agree. And I want to ask you then, there's another article, and I don't remember the link or the source, but I will find it and put it on the show notes. Um, I saw going around for a while, um, and it said, the headline was like, um, sugar, not fat, is what causes heart disease, or something like that. And it's this big article that came out in, in some uh, some bigger news source that was saying basically that it's like we always had this fear of fat, more specifically saturated fat, and that it's actually sugar that causes heart disease. And I just want to hear what you think about that. Well, I think that no one should be eating processed sugar. Yeah. And I think there are downsides to it. But we actually have no such indication for whole like carbohydrates as a whole or specifically the simple sugars in fruits, quite the opposite. We actually find lower disease rates in people who eat more fruits and vegetables. So yeah, don't eat sugar, don't eat processed sweeteners, stick to whole foods. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, it, I, I agree that in fact, it, there's actually, I'm not sure if I'm, I know what article you're referring to, but there have been research articles put out like basically, you know, the sugar industry funded a whole bunch of research to make people believe that sugar was fine, processed sugar. Right. Um, and in reality, it probably is not the case. So Right. Processed anything, I imagine, is not what you want to be eating. Yeah. And I mean, it, it depends on how processed it is and what it is. But yeah, generally speaking, um, whole, whole sugars are, are not going to be a bad thing for you. And I think that's the problem with articles like that and what I have been seeing in uh, the, um, the ideas that people adopt when they go to the ketogenic diet, or even, maybe not even ketogenic, but paleo, is, um, there's this really big emphasis on not eating sugar, or when people want to cleanse, or make a New Year's resolution or something, they want to cut out the sugar, and that's great, but it, I've, I'm seeing it starting to extend to all sugar, including fruit, and I've even seen people who do keto, say things like, I don't crave sugar anymore, I don't even want fruit anymore, or, you know, they make remarks like that, and I'm starting to see fruit kind of be shoved into that category. So, why do you think there's a fruit phobia? Um, I think that people, it's just the idea that carbs make you fat, mm -hmm. and oh, that yeah. all, and fruit has full of carbs, and therefore it's got to be unhealthy for us, but that anyone who thinks that hasn't looked at the research because we've got research, for instance, you basically don't don't change anyone's diet but just make them eat a few pieces of fruit per day and they lose weight. And, uh, you know, don't change anyone's diet, just give them a few pieces of fruit and various disease risk uh, statistics for that intervention group go down. So, I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm not saying that people may not crave sugar anymore, but... I don't crave a lot of things that, I mean, I used to love a lot of foods that I have no interest anymore. You just go away a time without them and eat a nutrient-sufficient diet. It's amazing what no longer appeals to you. Right. So I would say that 
there are good things about a paleo diet. And I've met people who eat paleo diets who eat a healthier diet than people who eat vegan diets Absolutely. that are unhealthy. Totally. Uh, I mean, it's not a, it's not an either, it's not like a, oh, all vegan diets are automatically healthy, all pale, right. like there's a spectrum and it depends on what you're eating and right. what falls under the spectrum for you and, you know. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you just made a comment uh, that people think carbs make you fat. Are you saying that carbohydrates don't make you fat? No. Um, it, well, actually, uh, there's, there's actually a, uh, Kevin Hall is an obesity researcher. He's pretty famous if you're a geeky nutrition person. Okay. Anyway, uh, he, he's done at least one and maybe two studies where he's basically taken groups of people and put them on either ketogenic diets or, um, or uh, plant-based diets that are uh, relatively low in fat and high in carbs. I actually have to go back and look at the study to see exactly what the plant-based diet was doing, but it was basically a, a, a fairly healthy, high-carb diet. Got it. Um, but, uh, so the reason why this study is, is worth noting is because most diet studies are <laughs> free-range diet studies in the sense that they're like, oh, here's some money, now, I, now here's a, a day of nutrition lectures on what you should eat, now go out into the world and do it. These are largely unmotivated people, and like I said before, right. the chance of them sticking to it is relatively low. But the reason why this, this one is interesting is because it's called an, uh, a metabolic ward study. And that means that basically they lock people up, they prepare all their food, they know exactly how many calories they're eating. So there can't, like, there's no ambiguity there. Yeah. And so they uh, pitted that low-fat diet versus the ketogenic diet, the high-fat diet. And um, what they found was that there was slightly more weight loss for the same number of calories on the low-fat diet. And it's interesting because they don't know exactly how that happened um, because because we do generally see that, that weight is, and in, in other metabolic ward studies, that weight is, is determined by caloric intake, energy intake. Um, but I also want to emphasize that it wasn't a gigantically lower, like it was a few pounds, and it was body fat as opposed to overall weight. Um, but I wouldn't make a decision based on that. My point is merely that when you put these in a metabolic ward setting, both of these diets, you're not seeing a huge advantage for... Uh, ketogenic diets. Now, maybe people would argue, okay, well, they're only giving them a measured amount of food and there's no opportunity to overeat. So maybe if we let them go free range and, you know, maybe they would lose more weight on the ketogenic diet. Um, it's hard to really make anything, say anything conclusive in that regard. Yeah. You've mentioned a couple times, uh, you know, the weight loss or weight is about calories in, calories out. You actually did an experiment on this, didn't you? Because I know a lot of people in the plant-based, high-carb community, there's sort of, or there was kind of this idea that you can eat um, unlimited amounts of healthy carbohydrates so long as, you know, you're keeping your fat intake low and you, know, you kind of just eat as much as you want. And so you did an experiment on that mm -hmm. um, that... I think you documented on your YouTube channel yep. that I will give the name to everyone at the end. So can you kind of tell us what, how you did that? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is something that you still hear all the time. You know, calories don't matter as long as you're eating the right food. And this isn't specifically something that happens in vegan or raw food circles. It okay. happens in other, like, you'll hear the same thing in paleo. You don't have to restrict calories or you don't have to think about calories so long as you're eating these select foods. Right. It's not how much you eat. 
Yeah, and there is some truth to that because when we look at studies where we just like, okay, you're, we're not going to give these people processed foods anymore or like we add apples into their diet, for instance, mm-hmm. magically they start taking in fewer calories because there's a satiation difference. But um, in particularly in the raw food community for whatever reason, and I guess in the vegan community, it's just like this idea that you can't get fat as long as you're eating these whole foods and it's simply not true. It's a really bad idea that they're encouraging people to like eat more than they're hungry for even. Um, And so I, over the years, just had so many coaching clients who would wash out of raw diets or vegan diets because they gained weight. Mm Because some idiot on YouTube told them, no, you're not eating enough food. You're not hungry, doesn't matter. Smashing those calories to lose weight. And, um, you know, they get fat and then I have to, you know, then they're they're further from their goal than when they started. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of as an experiment just showed like, look, I'm going to eat only these low fat fruits and I'm going to eat more calories than I need. And keep in mind, I'm a fairly physically active guy. I do partner acrobatics. I throw people through the air. I used to be a long distance endurance runner. So I burn through a lot of calories, but I can easily, no problem, just demolish way more calories than I need. And so anyway, I just started um, significantly overeating on calories and lo and behold, I gained like more than 15 pounds. Wow. So um, I just I just think that's nonsense that really should not be followed. Yeah. Uh, what kind of, um, did you have any type, I'm curious about what kind of response you had to that experiment. Did you have any like negative yeah. things? Did people say anything negative about that? Well, basically the diehard adherence. Uh-huh are saying, well, you know, I don't believe that you really ate what you said you ate and got fat. Or, you know, you didn't exercise enough. You're too sedentary. You know, there's always an excuse. Um, But generally, I think it was eye-opening for a lot of people. I mean, that video is still pretty popular today because it's, you know, just such a slap in the face to everyone who says that kind of thing. Yeah, and that was really bold of you to take that time. How long did you eat however many calories you wanted? Um, Was it three months? Wow. Something like that. Yeah, that's really awesome and bold of you to just kind of really follow through with that and put your body through that. Let your body like gain 15 pounds. Did you lose it right away or? No, it took me a while. I mean, keep in mind, I used to be obese. Uh, Weight loss is not something that comes easy to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I have I've done some um, kind of as (laughs) as accurate as I can be without having a lab type condition experiments. And I think my metabolic rate is probably about three to four hundred calories lower than what you would expect based on like the Harris-Benedict equation or those BMR formulas. So uh, it just takes me a while and it took me well over a year to really lose the weight. Okay, wow. So can you tell me what you eat in a day or give me an example of what your diet looks like so people can kind of have an idea of what we're talking about here? Yeah, um, my diet is based around fruit. So um, I usually don't eat breakfast, but lunch is, you know, a huge meal of fruit. It might be bananas, might be, there's a bunch of pears on my, <laughs> on my table right now. Mm-hmm. That's kind of been my, uh, um, you know, fruit's just been my mainstay for a long time. Um, I, for dinner, uh, I usually will start off with more fruit and then go with a huge salad. Um, usually at least a pound of leafy green vegetables. <laughs> I might eat some avocado, um, cut up some vegetables in there. It's pretty simple and it's just kind of works for me really well. Yeah, do you ever, do you know how many calories you eat a day? Um, It varies dramatically. If I'm sedentary, I might only eat 1,800. Mm -hmm. But like for instance, I was just at an acrobatics festival and I was probably going through um, at least 4,000 a day because I was doing acro for, um, you know, six or seven hours. Yeah. 
Do you ever crave anything anymore? Any cooked food? Do you eat cooked food ever? Um, for, interestingly enough, I'm in the middle of an experiment where, okay. uh, actually, I just started uh, posting my first video in a series on my YouTube video on this topic, but my theory, my long-running theory on colitis, for me personally, not that I'm saying all cases of colitis have this, but rather that um, lectins play a role because I've noticed that cooked or raw, the foods that trigger colitis symptoms in me and just like things like skin breakouts and rashes, which, which is my reaction to a lot of these things, they're coming from high lectin foods, not necessarily, oh, it's a raw food or a cooked food. Okay. And so I've been doing an experiment where if I took a food that normally I would react really poorly to that happens to be high in lectins and processing them to lower the lectin content. Okay. So I've actually... Um, processing mean like cook them? Uh, cooking, yeah, for something like a lentil okay. uh, in a pressure cooker. And also, but before I even cook them, doing something like soaking them in baking soda. And then when I'm cooking them, adding actually in baking soda. Mm -hmm. So this is definitely not something I would recommend for taste. It's an experiment right. for my curiosity. Right. But yeah, it's just, uh, so anyway, I'll be talking about that experiment on my YouTube channel going forward. But yeah, for most of the last, since like 2007, it's been all raw. But um, more recently, just kind of over the last year, just fooling around with some of this stuff to gain clarity and to be able to help my coaching clients a little more. Cool. And how often do you coach, would you say? Is that something you do daily? Is that your full-time job, or do you do other things on the side? Um, well, doing health-esque stuff, that's right. my main. So, like, I've, I've written a number of books about raw food, so I sell those, and uh, I, um, I get some ad revenue from YouTube videos, but I, I do a little uh, acrobatics coaching for some additional side income, but mostly my, my job is uh, helping people with health issues. Can you tell people the name of your website and your YouTube channel so they can find you? Sure. Um, well, if you just are on YouTube, you can search Andrew Perlot, P-E-R-L-O-T, and you'll find me. Um, I actually have an old website, raw-food-health.net, which has hundreds of articles that are probably worth people's time if you're interested in raw food diets. More recently, I've kind of expanded into a new website that covers not only dietary stuff, but also athletics and meditation and some lifestyle stuff and that's uh, renaissancehumans.com and so uh, you can find me there. And what is different about Renaissance Humans than your first one? Is it just that it has like an athletic um, component to it? Uh, I would say more broadly that I don't think that diet alone is sufficient to take care of a lot of people's problems, that you need a more holistic solution that totally. that really focuses on the mind. So things yeah. like meditation um, that focuses on um, the physical aspects of the body, moving the body, learning proper movement and how to maintain muscle mass to be healthy mm -hmm. so you're not weak and prone to injury, and particularly as you get older, prone to bone loss, uh, and also, yeah, just some various lifestyle things. So. I, it's my attempt to take it out of the realm of just, oh, diet is the only thing that matters, to look at like, well, actually, there's quite a bit more that matters. Totally. Yeah, and I'm, I'm doing that as well. That's my project of the year, and I haven't launched it yet, so I'm not going to give it away right now, but I am also creating kind of like a movement that looks at health in a more holistic way, like you were talking about, because I think that's really important. Okay. Um... I think that's all. Is there anything else you want to say or add or put out there for people? Is there um, anything you want to let them know about that you're doing? Um, 
I guess I would just say to remind people that, you know, people everywhere are suffering from health problems. Like, go on the internet, fine. You know, everyone's, everyone's got a health problem. And everyone's struggling with their weight. And I would just say, like, guys, there's a way out. You know, there's, you don't have to be suffering. You can find solutions to your problems. So, you know, keep hopeful. Uh, keep working on yourself. And uh, be happy. Thank you. That was awesome. Thanks for this interview, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Thank you.